No, you know, we don't. Like, I don't really love holiday travel. You know, I hate it's the worst. <laughs> Who does? Yeah. yeah. And um, no, Hector just saw snow for the first time. Oh. Uh, he thought it was really cool. He just gotten some new Air Jordans, so he had to put bags on them. <laughs> that's classic huh yeah that's funny protect the good stuff yeah to walk up to the graveyard all my classmates were like boy that's the way you do this you know what I mean like that's how it's done that's how we always did it you know it was I remember that as a kid putting plastic bags and then rubber bands around your ankles mm-hmm. god and yeah. your boots right yeah, yeah. This is Behind the Lens, a podcast from The Lens, New Orleans' first nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom. I'm Carolyn Heldman. On this week's episode, accusations and lawsuits are flying in St. John the Baptist Parish as the Banner Sisters and their Descendants Project work to stop the council from skirting the law and rezoning land in favor of Greenfield, Louisiana, which is hoping to build a large grain elevator. And we'll look back at our favorite stories of 2024, just for fun. Those stories, insight, and analysis coming up on Behind the Lens. Joining us this week, environmental reporter Delaney Dreyfus. Hi, Delaney. Hello there. Education reporter Marta Jusin. Hi, Marta. Hey. Photojournalist Lachance Perry. Hi, Lachance. Hi, Carolyn. And Lens editor Katie Rechdahl. Hey, Katie. Hey, how are you? Great. All right, Delaney, we're going to start with the Banner Sisters. There's so much going on in St. John the Baptist Parish, and I think we should start back with a reminder of who Greenfield is and what it is that they're trying to do in St. John the Baptist Parish. Yes, so Greenfield, Louisiana is a company that uh, wants to build a massive grain elevator and grain export terminal on a plot of land that they have leased from the port of South Louisiana. Um, this land is on the west bank of the Mississippi River. It's in the rural historically black village of Wallace. Um, and it was zoned as for it was zoned for industrial use in 1990, but in August, a judge ruled that ordinance as null and void because it was made under corrupt circumstances. And since August, there has been this fight between the parish council um, and their opponents to rezone the land back to industrial use. So it is currently uh, residential use. It, it's rural land that has historically been used um, to farm sugarcane. And the parish is really looking to return it to an industrial zoning so that they can, so that Greenfield, Louisiana can move ahead and, and bit, start building on this land. Okay. And the opposition is, the, the face of the opposition, anyway, is um, the Banner Sisters, who own the, a cafe in Wallace and have founded a nonprofit called the Descendants Project. Tell us about them again. Yeah, so the Banner Sisters are twins uh, who have lived in Wallace their whole lives, um, left to study, but have come back and built the Fifole Cafe um, in their hometown. And about two years ago, they started this nonprofit, the Descendants Project, 
um, to advocate for the black community in the river parishes and they are the organization that sued St. John the Baptist Parish to relook at this 1990 zoning ordinance because it was created under corrupt circumstances. They felt that it should be declared null and void and the, the land should be returned to residential zoning. Okay. Which it has been. <laughs> and that, that ruling, which happened in August, uh, Greenfield and, and all of, and even the council is, is mounting an appeal to that ruling or there. Tell us what, what happened next. Yes, there is a pending appeal on that ruling. Um, and there ha are newer new cases happening um, with a different judge within the same district. Um, and the newer cases are relating to how the parish council has proceeded in the meantime. They have tried to put new ordinances on their agenda. Uh, they have submitted a new application to rezone the land as industrial, and the Descendants Project has argued that those attempts to rezone the land are also corrupt, that they are along the same spirit as what the judge forbid them from doing back in August. The judge forbid them from rezoning the land back to industrial use as intended in the 1990 ordinance until the court rules otherwise. And since then, the parish council has been trying to find ways to rezone it without going against the judge's orders. Right. So there's been a lot of litigation. Okay. And amidst, amidst all of the potential violations, there, there even was something about, um, an, an allegation that they violated their um, open meetings process, that they didn't give notice of of the intention really behind what they were trying to do. Explain explain how that works. So the open meeting, the Louisiana open meetings law has become um, more important in the recent court hearings. Um, there were early accusations that the council parish did not did not disclose to residents that their land was potentially up for rezoning. Um, and the parish has said that their land is not up for rezoning, that the land up for rezoning is only the land owned by the port of South Louisiana, but the maps are very confusing. The maps include tracts of land that the parish says aren't up for rezoning, but mm. it, it's difficult to understand to a lay person or and even to the judge. The judge, you know, has been asking for all of these, these clarifications. Um, and so with the meetings law, they, there was an attempt to re-add or create a new ordinance to rezone the land for industrial use during December's parish council meeting. And on the agenda that was made available to the public, um, the ordinance was very vague. Well, and this is all like under the pretense of two, like the open meetings law requires that public meeting agendas define items with reasonable specificity. So anytime you hear like what Delaney is about to tell you, 
there's generally more details that they could include, right? Like we've seen school board meetings where they say like, considering the closure of a school and it's like, okay, mm, which school, right. Name the school, you know, the school. So right. now Delaney's got the item, I think. Yes. Um, so what was included on the December 12th agenda was a resolution to authorize the parish council to amend the official zoning map, which does not specify which land they are looking to rezone. Um, and lawyers for the descendants project were arguing that all of the other agenda items were much more specific. Why was this one so vague? Um, and Joy Banner was able to receive a copy of the description of that proposed ordinance. And it became clear that it did relate to the land in Wallace. It was specifically about the Greenfield property. Um, and so they filed a motion to stop that from happening, stop that from being voted upon at the December 12th meeting because it was not specific enough. It violated it violated the Louisiana Open Meetings Law for specificity. So in other words, they were really trying to backdoor this motion almost. They were they were just trying to sneak it in with vague language. And because she was able to receive the um, language about it, she was able to, to quickly get in and, and stop it or attempt to stop it? Yeah, because, because she was able to... Um, receive some of the the description that was not made public her lawyers were able to go forward and ask for an emergency motion to stop the vote okay and is this the meeting also where where she during public comment which is required by law um she was asked to to stop talking no so that was in november's okay. meeting okay um and so in November's meeting, there was a different request, a different um, resolution put on the agenda. And this one was specifically about the parish hiring a lawyer to defend the parish president, Jacqueline Hotard, in ethics laws, in, mm. in a, an ethics investigation. And Joy Banner is very familiar with this these ethical concerns because she is the one who put forth the complaint that is has led to the ethics investigation with the Louisiana Board of Ethics into the parish president. Um, and so Joy wanted to go in front of the parish council and, and speak on, basically ask why they, the council is considering spending taxpayer funding, taxpayer dollars on a lawyer to represent the, the parish president for personal ethical concerns. Mm -hmm. And she was cut off. She was not able to, to make those comments. Um, and the chairman of the parish council read a statute to her that insinuated if she continued to speak, she would be arrested. And that Later, we heard from the Descendants Project's lawyers that that statute has been found to be unconstitutional. But at the time, Joy perceived it as a threat, and she did give up speaking. She, did, she didn't finish her comments, um, and neither did anybody else who had attended the meeting. There were a lot of other people at the meeting who had intended 
to make comments, especially on that agenda item, who did not because they were afraid. Okay. I've got two notes here. One is that we need to disclose um, that our, our reporter, Marta Jusen's partner, David Lancer, is an attorney at Most and Associates who, who represent the Descendants Project in all this litigation. Um, the second thing I wanted to ask you is you've been clear in podcasts, um, prior podcasts about this, this entire project, that not everyone in St. John is against Greenfield. Uh, from your uh, reporting, it's kind of split, would you say? I'd say that's accurate. Um, I attended a parish council meeting in September where about half of the audience was for Greenfield making this economic development, this grain elevator and export terminal, and the other half was very against. Okay. And then this leads me to a third point, which is that there's been some accusations that one of the council members should actually be recusing herself because she has an economic interest or at least tangentially an economic interest in it going forward. Can you explain what that situation is? Yes. So that is the parish president, Jacqueline Hotard. Um, and that is the basis for the ethics investigation that is ongoing. Um, her mother-in-law owns land that is possibly within and also adjacent to the land that is going to be, that is up for rezoning as industrial use. Uh, she also is the manager and officer of St. John Fleeting, which is an inland marine and transportation company that specializes in barge repair and dock transfers and things that would financially benefit from a grain terminal being installed. And the Louisiana Code of Ethics uh, forbids council members, including parish presidents, from being involved, knowingly being involved in transactions that could benefit an immediate family member, which includes a spouse's uh, parents. Uh, and so that is what the ethics complaint that Joy Banner has lodged is about. Okay. Um, and that is what caused this upset during the November council meeting because Joy wanted to make a comment about the parishes using its resources to yeah. defend the president, um, but she was shut down. Okay. Let's take a step back and kind of do a little bit of a bird's eye view of, of the, the entire parish and everything that's going on in that parish up and down the river there. Cause we've talked, we've been talking about it a lot this year. Yeah. So on, on the West bank of the Mississippi river and in, in St. John the Baptist parish, there's this 14 mile stretch of great river road. That's still largely agricultural. Um, it was once called plantation country. It has a lot of plantations that are still, uh, preserved today, used either for research or for um, tourism purposes for, for informing people about what happened in the river parishes. Uh, and this land is up for consideration with the National Park Service uh, to possibly become a National Historic Landmark District. They are in the process of a one-year study to, to look at 
what is within this stretch of land that consists of the historic villages of Lucy, Edgar, and Wallace, where the Greenfield property is based. And there was a federal review from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers uh, that was released in October and found that the Greenfield Grain Terminal, if it were to be constructed, it would harm historic places in St. John the Baptist Parish. And I think we're going to spend a lot of time next week on next week's pod about this um, and the and the filing for the National Historic Designation request. And so let's now let's bring in Lachance and Katie. Tell me your thoughts on on what's happening down there and and the Descendants Project and the Banner Sisters in particular. The way I look at this story, I often think of it as almost a David and Goliath story because you have these small individuals and these small communities that's going up against this monster organization. And I just think it's so interesting that Joy and Joe Banner specifically have been able to accomplish so many achievements and win um, on behalf of their Descendants Project, on behalf of the community. Um, I think it's also amazing how their entire family is connected to that space in Wallace. So not only is it, you know, about the history, but it's very personal to them because it's their family. It's their history as well. So I think that is so many different layers to this, but I think that as a whole, the entire parish can really understand what Joe and Joy Banner are fighting for, even though there are some people interesting enough who are on the side of the terminal. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Delaney, that's because they believe there's a promise of jobs. There's a promise of um, economic development in the area. But from my understanding, there's not anything that's actually in place to, you know, have the people in those areas get the jobs that are promised by these terminals. So I just think that it is a lot of misinformation that's being put out about the grain terminal, but the people in that community understand that there is an immediate threat, their sunlight is being threatened, their ability to just live and walk outside of their homes is being threatened. And I think it's so many things that people are missing that just will impact their quality of life. Yeah, what I heard at that council meeting was a large number of the people who support Greenfield coming forward and talking about economic development, talking about creating jobs uh, in on the West Bank of the parish. Um, but LaChance is right. There is no guarantee that those jobs are necessarily going to go to locals. I mean, this struggle, I agree with LaChance, it is a David and Goliath. It's got, it's got biblical kind of connotations. It also has small, a small circle of people who undoubtedly have known about each other their entire lives. Mm. Like, this is a very small area. So this is not just, oh, I went through a pile of public records and I found out that this is the case. This is people talking and trying to figure out how to save their community, knowing who's always been in power in this community, and who's trying to, by hook or by crook, change the land designation to industrial? It's very personal, I think. It has echoes of um, 
the system and how things have worked for certain people in for centuries and not worked for others for centuries. It, it feels a lot like um, this story has been told before. So what happens now? There's lots of accusations flying. There's um, cases that are awaiting decision. I think it's still, it, even though the, the uh, rezoning stay, if you will, of for Greenfield in August by that one judge doesn't appear to be uh, very permanent because of the actions that Greenfield is taking. What happens now? Yes, the judge has made several temporary restraining orders, preliminary injunctions. She has asked that Greenfield not move forward with rezoning the land as industrial until the court rules otherwise. Um, Judge Nana Lewis is asking the parish council to keep step with the court as opposed to going around some of the court, what the court is asking for. And last week, she asked the parish um, to be, to ha- include reasonable specificity in its future agenda items to ensure that they don't use this vague language again as a way to try and add things to the agenda without alerting the public. Um, it is unclear how what is going to happen in January's parish council meeting. Uh, we won't really know until the next agenda comes out. Um, but the parish is has been trying a lot of tactics to kind of get around this. When I when I showed up to the the courthouse last week, they were trying to move the entire case out of Judge Nana Lewis's courtroom and move it actually back to Judge Sterling Snowdy, who ruled initially on the case in August. And there was a good amount of time spent in this courtroom which had lost power by the way it was very dark (laughs) debate was going on um but they were trying to move move the case around have a different judge preside over it and it was really just a confusing scene last week um until the ending essentially was that the judge not lewis asked the parish to be more clear, to be more upfront with what they are doing, what is on their agenda, what they plan to vote on in advance of future meetings. And the fact that you, as the environmental reporter, are keeping an eye on this, Lachance, you're spending a lot of time down there, that, that we're holding this power to account or, or at least documenting the efforts by the Banner Sisters to hold power to account is it's kind of a nice way to sum up the year's work at the lens from my perspective. So um, thank you for that work you're doing, Delaney and Lachance. I also think, if I could just add one more thing, it's kind of a a nod to the Banner Sisters that the parish council would want to shut down their public comment. And speaking generally about elected boards and agencies across the state, all you have to do is let people talk during public comment, which is required under the open meetings law for any action item you are not required to respond so it is i find it funny to shut down public commenters because we see people every day speak their piece and the board does not have to respond so 
to, to shut down someone who's speaking, I think that says a lot for the Banner Sisters. And power going out, divine work there. <laughs> it's interesting. You're listening to Behind the Lens. I'm Carolyn Heldman. My guests this week are environmental reporter Delaney Dreyfus, education reporter Marta Jusen, photojournalist LaChance Perry, and managing editor Katie Rechtall. Hi, I'm Karen Gadbois, the co-founder and executive director of The Lens. The Lens is the New Orleans area's first nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom dedicated to unique investigative and explanatory journalism. The strength of The Lens lies in the highly qualified editorial and research staff, as well as a collaborative network of affiliated organizations. Please make a tax-deductible donation to support our work at thelensnola.org slash donate. Thank you. Let's segue, use that as a segue into um, a little bit of a look back at some of our, our stories that most struck us. Who wants to start with their favorite story of 2023? I think for me, um, the marathon story just really stands out simply because we were just talking about St. John Parish, but um, not only that, just because of just how we've been following this story we've been following this community and for me that explosion was pretty telling you know everything that they're fighting for all the changes that they're trying to make all the ways that they're trying to protect this community is because of situations like this so just being able to witness that fire just seeing that being so close being able to feel the heat being able to smell the fumes it was something that was very very different um for me but for me it really proved the point as to why the people on the ground are doing the work why joe and joy banner are doing the work and it was just really humbling to experience that mm. thanks lachance marta how about you um i have a couple i have a little list here um that sewer and waterboard story we just did i loved was just kind of a a funny little piece on like new orleans life and i think like i said last week i just really enjoyed being able to finally put a pin in something that we had known for a long time. So mm. just kind of fun of those longitudinal stories and knowledge uh, come together in the end. Um, and then I've really enjoyed the work that uh, Katie and LaChance and Mazzani have been doing on the living school. Uh, we've all been doing that together. Um, yeah. I think that just really gets to the heart of schools reporting in this city. Um, and everyone's done a great job of like bringing student and staff voices to the front. So very proud of our team for that work. Delaney, do you have one? Yeah, um, I very much appreciated the, the marathon refinery explosion story. Um, but I also really appreciated the historic drought story that was at the root of the super fog that led to this massive mm. I-55 wreck. Um, and I think it was really interesting to report on a swamp fire in New Orleans East, as well as a swamp fire out in Lafitte. And, and to look at the difference between the resources that the New Orleans Fire Department had and the resources that the National Park Service had and were able to um, deploy for these very, for these fires that are both in these marshy areas and are, are caused by prolonged drought and the ignition of underground peat 
Um, but there were just vastly different resources available for putting each of the fires out. Um, and the one in New Orleans East obviously lasted such a long time and just filled the city with smoke, just an acrid smell that, you know, was nauseating and, and obviously caused these, these blackouts that caused these horrific car accidents, but caused, you know, irritation to everyday people who were just trying to breathe. Uh, you know, I could smell it inside my apartment and I do not live in New Orleans East. It was really um, just an overwhelming part of the summer. Mm, yeah. Wanted to give a quick shout out to Nick's work on the. So really appreciated his work on the when the when they found out that several um, parish courts or state courts were excluding jurors with criminal records. Yes. Their right to serve on a jury was supposed to be restored. Yes. And I think bringing light to that and them shutting down court proceedings and trials to get that straight was a an excellent um, an excellent showing of what journalists can do to make sure that you know. Uh, people are being seen and, and their rights are being um, observed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Thank you. Well, let me, let me add right now. And then Katie, you can wrap us up. I, I was going to shout out to Katie and Nick's story together on the violence interrupters and the, the cure violence, formerly ceasefire. And we, you, we met a guy named Calvin Pep in the story who'd worked for years. And, and this, this notion that credible messengers, they were called, um, who would go in after after shootings and be able to be a, a a way to communicate what the vibe of of a community was and work kind of with the police to help stop more violence but that whole program got curtailed it it kind of ended its they city ended its funding and you followed up through that story and we ended up having a, a resurrection of it of sorts through a partnership with LCMC. And I loved hearing about how effective a, a group like that was. And I think with with the, the fact that you all exposed mm-hmm. that it had been gone, I think um, maybe it led to it being resurrected in a small way. So shout out to you guys for doing that. That was um that story I remember showing up at the press conference. You remember Marta and I went because because Nick was out of town, and it just felt good to know that our reporting has an impact. And I think Delaney, your St. John reporting, that and with Lachance and on Marathon and Lachance, who spent so much time down in St. John already with with the Banner Sisters as well. Your history with them is deeper. I just feel like we're getting somewhere that they're telling stories that aren't being told elsewhere and that that's what really makes me proud to be part of this staff um marta's school reporting i mean nobody else is really covering schools in a way and i see it as soon as we we hit the living story publish i mean somebody told me somebody who used to work for the mayor told me that it was all people were talking about the next day and it really made me feel good you know yeah. I think it need it needed to be talked about, right? It's it's really in, an indictment or a, that story really tells the story of charters and how they're judged and how we uh, assess student performance and how we 
even think of schools being good or bad. And I feel like it's so important. And we've been, we've, I know Marta, you've got some, you've been following up. The chance and I went to do a follow up on the violence interrupters. Delaney, you're literally covering the waterfront. It's just, it's so, it's so great to see Nick's got the, you know, the criminal justice stuff sewn up. So it feels really good. And before you go on, Katie, I want to call out to the um, really deep and longitudinal coverage of the tragedy around Calvin Keynes, who was killed in June. And uh, you and then Nick both followed that story. Over the course of your stories, you, you both told about who he was and also all the fault lines in our community and um, and the problems with some of the policing. So it was uh, really, really, there, there are multiple stories when you click on, when you search Calvin Keynes on the Lens website, and it just, uh, it's a credit to both of you. Uh, you know, this year has for, been for, um, my stories have tended toward loss this year. Mm. And um, we had, um, there's been a lot of loss in the cultural community, particularly in the back row, the tuba, the, the um, some drummers that we, that we lost, Sam Jackson, Jeffrey Hills, and then for my own household, Ravel Andrews, um, so really sad to see all of that. Um, it just feels like this year is the year that just can't stop taking. And I know um, we've had some personal losses here on our staff too. And and I, I think, you know, New Orleans is a beautiful place to send someone off from. We are known for our musical tributes, the way we mourn, holding the body close till the very end. It's beautiful, but part of the reason that that it's so poignant is because we lose too many people far too soon to poor health and to violence. And I feel like we have to pay attention to that if we're going to, and we have been at the lens and that I'm, you know, it's, it's hard work to cover that. And I appreciate all the work we've been doing to keep our eyes trained on not only that violence, which I think is makes headlines, but also just the people behind it and the reasons and the motivations. It's, it's, it's um, exhausting. Mm. Katie, thank you. Really wonderful and poignant thoughts. Thanks, everybody. I won't, I'll see you next week, Delaney, for a discussion on St. John the Baptist Parish with Sarah. Uh, but the rest of you, I'll see you in 2024. Have a happy and healthy holiday season, I hope. Keep your loved ones close. Sounds great. Travel safe, y'all. Bye. Happy this is Behind the Lens, a podcast from The Lens, New Orleans' first nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom. I'm Carolyn Heldman. Thanks to our guest this week, environmental reporter Delaney Dreyfus, education reporter Marta Jusen, photojournalist LaChance Perry, and managing editor Katie Rechtal. You can read all the week's other news plus opinions at our website, thelensnola.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>